0: Welcome to the Christ Connection podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host Kevin Senapati Ratna. Let the journey begin. Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati Rotna, and I'm so glad you could join us today for another episode of Engaging in Adventure with Jesus. Our Christian faith was not designed to be boring, but too many people live a boring Christianity, and they weren't meant to be that way. We are designed for adventure with Jesus to... Enjoy his company to be with him and to uh, walk it out in our lives in a way that impacts the world around us, uh, both our our fellow Christians to be an encouragement to them, but also to touch the world. And uh, today we're going to talk about having more fun. And uh, this is a, a spiritual conversation, and I'm not saying that facetiously. That is actually uh, the truth. Uh, we were designed to have joy. It's a fruit of the spirit, and Our guest today is Mandy Arioto, uh, and she is the president and CEO of Mops International and is widely known for her unique take on parenting, relationships, spiritual and cultural issues. Through Mops, which influences millions of moms through thousands of groups internationally, Mandy serves as the voice of one of the most influential parenting organizations in the U.S. and around the world. Mandy has been featured on MSN.com, The Knot.com, The Nest.com, and Fox. She regularly speaks to national and international audience. She and her husband, Joe, live in Denver, Colorado, with their three awesome kids. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I had some fun. Uh, you'll hear stories from me as well, uh, but it's a good conversation. So without further ado, my conversation with Mandy Arioto. All right, Mandy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: It's good to finally connect. We had a, a couple of times we are trying to connect and finally yes. get you on the show. It's good to finally have you. Finally
1: made it happen. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. And we're, we're going to talk about your book, Have More Fun. So hopefully we'll have some fun here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I, this was not one of my questions I was going to ask, but uh, since you have a book, Have More Fun, is the... Is the pressure higher to have more fun?
1: <laughs> That's a really good question. I know you show up in a room and everyone's like, "Okay, what kind of fun are you going to bring?" Uh, yeah, it is a little bit higher, but I appreciate the challenge. So yeah.
0: it's 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 setting the bar for what you need to need out of life. Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, in the spirit of fun, I thought we'd start with a fun question uh, the day let people know a little bit about a weird side of you or a different side of you. Uh, your favorite restaurant in the town you live in and why?
1: Okay. I live in Denver, Colorado, and my favorite thing to eat out is pho. I would love any type of pho place, but there's a pho place right by my house. It's called what the pho. Um,
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: So I think that's hilarious, and um, I like their fun. So that would be my favorite place to eat.
0: (laughs) Well, I guess that's where we're starting. (laughs) The Christ Connection podcast has gone a different direction. (laughs) I
1: saw that question that you sent me, and I was like, oh, how should I answer
0: this? Honesty. That's good. I I appreciate it. (laughs) I guess we, you can have some fun. Uh, not a big. I haven't had a lot in my life, so maybe. Oh,
1: Kevin, you're missing out. <laughs> I, I,
0: I I have a lot to learn, I guess. But <laughs> uh, jumping jumping into your book, uh, the one of the right off the bat, the things that struck me was your idea of shared ob- absurdity, uh, building uh, friendships and. Uh, I like that idea. I think that's a brilliant thought uh, because I'm absurd. No, Uh, but uh, is this something now that you've thought about it that you're intentional about? And can you be intentional? And, you know, kind of how does that work in relationships?
1: Yeah. So, this is something that I picked up along the way and kind of observed in other people, and then I started incorporating it into my own life because I saw how effective it was at creating friendship. And so, shared absurdity in relationships is essentially doing something unexpected or out of the ordinary because it builds uh, an immediate connection. So, I have a group of friends who, um, one of their mutual friends, was going to do this triathlon, and long story short. She had trained for a really long time and was like so committed to finishing this race. And so they went to cheer her on. It was early in the morning and they wore like ridiculous costumes and boas and tutus. And um, she was doing the swim part of the race. And right toward the end, there was a current and she was really struggling. And uh, it didn't look like she was going to be able to make it in the first leg. And so my friends are watching her and cheering her on, and they realize, like, there's no chance she's going to make it. And so one of them decides to jump in the water with her, which means all of them then decide to jump in the water with her. And uh, in their costumes, with their tutus on, jump in the water, swim across the finish line with her. And she was able to do it because her friends jumped in with her. But it bonded them in this really special way. And so I just – those are the kind of shared absurdities, like doing the unexpected. I think it cultivates fast friendship and deep intimacy.
0: So do you, uh, with that, now that you've, I mean, do you look for moments to do something unexpected? Is that kind of your your I strategy? Do even,
1: yeah, even just small things throughout, throughout the day or with my kids or with my husband, if there's opportunities. Um, sometimes we'll be at soccer practice and, I'll look at my husband and say, hey, do you wanna climb this tree together? Or um, I was waiting for my kids at dance class last week and there was a guy there and uh, I asked him about the clogs he was wearing. And um, normally I wouldn't strike up conversations with strangers, uh, but I was curious. And we ended up having an hour long fabulous conversation Because I asked him about his clock. So I just think when we look for opportunities, there is just so much potential. And not only does it change our day, it changes the person who we interact with. So I think there's so much room, especially in our current culture, where we all feel a little bit worn down or weary, some of us, um, to infuse a little more fun and shared absurdity into our days.
0: Right. Now, I don't think I've ever seen someone with clogs on (laughs) it.
1: Right? That's why I had to ask him about it. And a man, nonetheless, which I appreciate, like, that, you know, you go for it. So I asked him about it and he said they were the most comfortable shoes he's ever worn. And um, so he just wears different versions of clogs every day. And so I mean, I appreciate a man who really owns his fashion places. So maybe Kevin, consider a pair of clogs
0: i i think i'll pass but maybe maybe moccasins i don't know <laughs> hey,
1: that's a good that's a good <laughs> compromise
0: uh, actually this is nothing to do with anything but when i did my last wedding i was the pastor for the wedding and i i gave the brian good groom moccasins as as part of the oh. the, the symbolism of uh well it wow. was a weird wedding because I was doing it. Because and we're going on a tangent here, but no, I, I, I
1: want to hear about the moccasins. So
0: I, really... I I did the whole wedding structured around the Princess Bride quotes on the wedding, and yes. and so then at the uh, one of them was I talked about how moccasins are symbols of the way we walk through life. And if you make a goal in marriage to walk towards Jesus, uh, that is a kind of a foundational way to walk closer together. Because if you're walking closer to Jesus, and so that was my little.
1: <laughs> Love it,
0: and the princess
1: a, bride. I mean, all those things layered on top of each other. That is right. a world class wedding experience, right now. It,
0: it was, and it was my uh, brother-in-law and sister-in-law. And they, you know, they still speak to me, so. <laughs> <laughs> But I I was a little concerned when I started saying, you know, I started off by marriage, marriage. That's what brings us together
1: today. That part?
0: Yes. (laughs) That's how I started the wedding. and uh, My to-be sister-in-law looked at me interesting, but uh, (laughs) I I didn't do it in the voice, so that at least helped. uh, Okay. okay, Yeah. (laughs) Everyone else knew what.
1: uh, It (laughs) is a classic scene. I mean... Kudos to you for really <laughs> incorporating that into a real wedding. That's I, next I, level right there. Absurdity! You just embodied it right there.
0: That That is that is true. And they, they knew what they were getting when they asked me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, speaking of the clog conversation, the leads actually to my next question. Uh, you, you On your website, describe yourself as an introvert who pretends to be an extrovert. Now, that that's an interesting concept. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm an introvert. And well, I, I suppose on the scale, I'm an introvert. I do. It. But uh, uh, first of all, what does that mean? And uh, what can the rest of us introverts learn from your? your
1: <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I am like the most introverted introvert you could ever be. Um, I recharge by being alone. Like I love time in my head. Um, but what I realized a couple years ago is that I was spending a lot of time in my head and not a lot of time in my body. Um, And that just means uh, really being intentional about the relationships around me because I can cultivate a really rich thought life um, that feels really satisfying. And so I just recognized that I was going to start to become the person that I was going to be proud of on my deathbed. And that meant cultivating deep friendships around me, loving my family well, and really embodying the virtues that I was holding in my head, but not necessarily in my hands. Um, And so that meant being really upfront and and vocal about how I feel about people, telling them regularly how much I care about them. Um, My husband has been such a huge example in this for me. Like On New Year's Day, he called every single one of his friends and told them exactly what he appreciates about them, like, a 10 minute long dialogue of all the things he loves about them. He's so external in in how he lives and how he communicates and um, how he loves people. And so I decided that I wanted to do that well. And so in our family, we call it a full body. Yes. And it's with all that you have communicating to the world, um, love and compassion and vocalizing the things that you think but don't often say. It's like, um, you know, like a trapeze artist where sometimes when you're holding on to one bar and you have to get to the next, you can't hold on to one, hold on to the next and swing. You've gotta let go of one bar at this altogether in order to keep your forward momentum going because if you just hold on to both, you get stuck and you don't ever move forward. And so a full body yes is like going for it with your whole being, with your mind, and with your heart, and with your hands, and that's how I want to live, and so it took pretending that I was a certain way in order to be a certain way, and now it's become more natural, so getting up to speak takes a lot of energy and effort for me, but the more I do it, the easier it becomes, so that's the pretending to be an extrovert part, is it takes pretending that I can do something in order to actually do it, and then it becomes a lot easier.
0: So if I'm if I'm getting what you're saying, some of that is, uh, well, at least for me, I can use being an introvert as an excuse to Absolutely. not express or not uh, stretch outside my comfort zone. Uh, oh, that's just who I am. And you're mm-hmm. saying uh, you have to, you have to make a choice that if you're going to live a life that you want to live.
1: Yeah, and I think sometimes we're really loyal to. Um, who we are and not loyal enough to who we want to be. And so I am choosing to be more loyal to the person I want to be rather than my innate tendencies.
0: Well, that's, that's good. Uh, uh, that's tweetable right there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when, when you talk about uh, an insatiable appetite for memorable moments, uh, and it's kind of even what you're, talking about right there that that's kind of going out there and kind of pushing yourself uh, any advice for people who want to create more moments they want to be more memorable they want to uh, kind of stretch outside that place to to the experience more
1: yeah I think it takes a little bit of work and I think sometimes we assume we just wait for things to happen to us or we're like I want exciting things to happen in my life or I want to create memorable moments or I want memorable things to happen, but we don't necessarily take the initiative to make them happen. And some of it, in my opinion, is just noticing what's happening all around us and being more present. Um, I won't get on my soapbox, but I, I have real concerns related to technology and how it's disconnecting us from one another. But um, a friend of mine, his name is Hank Fortner, And he did this brilliant um, post on Instagram that has stuck with me. I think he did it a year ago. But he said that his biggest goal in life is not to regret his kid's childhood. And so every day when he comes home from work, he sits in his car for a couple minutes. And right before he goes inside, he pictures that this is his last day on earth. And that he has died. And then right before he gets out of his car, he um, pictures that he's been given a second chance, that God's given him a second chance to live this day for, like, to to really live it. And um, so he goes inside and he says when he reframes that, that he's gotten a second chance for the first time, that he does dinner with his family differently. He looks his kids in the eye. He, like, treasures every single moment because he's so present because he's kind of reset his mind to look for all the little details and just thoroughly em- enjoy every moment he has with his kids and his family and so I wonder what that would look like throughout the course of our day to just really be intentional about creating memorable moments and not just letting our day go by without some intentionality
0: but then uh, you can get on whatever soapbox you would like to that <laughs> <laughs> And and it actually fits with kind of where God has been taking this podcast, anyways. Uh, our last episode with John Eldridge was talking about he was talking about pausing at the end of his day before he got out of his car. So, <laughs> oh,
1: wow. uh, uh,
0: So and and the effects of technology on our our psyche that it it's doing dam he was saying doing damage to the way we think and, and that we're not able to engage because we're not giving that transition time uh, that's totally. what he described to get to the uh so soapbox away <laughs> <laughs> do you have any uh, do you have any practice as far as technology for yourself do you have any practices that you use to kind of uh, as safeguards for yourself i don't know if that makes sense
1: yes um so my bent is and i'm probably different than a lot of people like I am terrible at texting. I don't bring my phone with me everywhere I go. So I don't I probably have a swing on the pendulum to the other side, maybe of an extreme where I just am like <laughs> um interact with technology that much. I don't have social media on my phone. So I might not be the best person to offer practical advice cuz it's not my natural um Tendency to spend a lot of time on technology,
0: which is actually probably good to remind all of us that there are people that you can go. My my wife's like that. She'll leave her phone, and we'll be like, uh, "Where is she?" You know, because yes. <laughs> I needed the Find Me app. That's the only part that's important for me. Where is my wife? That's what, I, know, I don't know. <laughs> totally.
1: I do love the Find Me app for my children. That is like right the best ever. <laughs> And I'm glad my parents didn't have that when I was a teenager. So we'll just
0: leave that. Yeah, I, I, yeah I don't think I want to hear that because I my daughter just turned 13, so no teenage girl stories <laughs> today. <it. Yeah. laughs> all right. So all right. along all right, that, all right. well, shifting gears, I guess we'll we'll shift gears here and go to. All right. I I love this phrase you said. My goal is that when people leave my presence, they feel better about themselves uh and it, again i'm all about practical uh help in any way that i can and and that's so that's kind of what's that uh how to win friends and influence people uh, you better off uh, focusing on other people uh any ad- advice for people who can kind of get in their heads and uh, h- how to focus on other people
1: yeah so this is originally this kind of this concept uh, came out of when I recognized my leadership style, and leading teams and leading an organization. And I recognized that I was showing up to meetings, wanting to be the most prepared, wanting everyone to like me, wanting to be clever, um, wanting people to to leave thinking, "Wow, Mandy really wowed us." And then what I recognized was that actually wasn't serving me very well. It was overwhelming for me to try and always be on. But also, um, people didn't connect. I didn't connect with people because I was always trying to prove that I was capable and worthy and clever and brilliant. So what changed for me was I decided to become more interested in the people sitting around the table than how I was coming across to the people sitting around the table. And it really shifted the way I showed up to meetings. It shifted the way that I listened and I feel like I became a better leader because I became more interested in the people around me. And that's transitioned into every aspect of my life, recognizing that I don't need to be so concerned with how people are perceiving me, if they think I'm smart or not, if they think I'm funny or not. What is most compelling and what woos people toward faith in Jesus most is when I'm really good at looking them in the eye and helping them feel seen and helping them when they leave a conversation feel better than when they entered into the conversation or reflecting back to them things that I see in them that maybe nobody has ever reflected back to them before. Whether it was, gosh, I saw how you were so kind to that person when you came in the room and asked them for whatever. Um, Just those little nuances that we can notice about people have the potential to change the entire trajectory of their life. I don't know if you've ever had someone like a stranger. I was at the beach one time and I had all three of my kids. They were little and it was one of those days that was like overwhelming. And I was about to call time out on being a mom. Everybody's covered in sand. There's tears. I mean, it's just not like the best mom moment. And this older man came over to me in the midst of parenting three children. And he goes, I just want you to know, like, you're a really good mom. And in that moment, everything changed for me. And he left me better in that conversation than he found me. And that's the kind of person I want to be. So I have a friend who when he sees people struggling, like at the grocery store, right, like their bag falls out of their uh, cart, or just something is uh, they're managing a ton of kids or whatever it is, he just stops and like, gives them a round of applause. Like, well done for managing your life today. Like, you've got it. You're killing it. You you got it. And he said it every single time he does that, it changes their countenance. They smile and they go on their day better than he found them. And that's the kind of person I want to be.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> now, of course, now I'm going to start clapping for random people. And my, I know. My...
1: Just a round of applause. <laughs> like, well done.
0: The shared absurdity is, is going <laughs> to. Just gonna go to a whole new level. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> have you ever done that? I, I, I that just seems like a.
1: That seems... Um, I have actually at the grocery store one time. Someone was checking me out and kind of struggling, and I was just like, "Nicely done, you got this," and uh, they loved it. So. <laughs> All right. Yep.
0: Here we go. All, right. All the listeners' challenge today is find someone to give clap someone a for. round of applause.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and, and and are we going for the slow clap or are we going for you got to start
1: slow and then you build it up yep yeah.
0: make, make it a movie moment i guess that's,
1: right. <laughs> hey, that's all yeah i like that
0: We're, that that could be a subtitle for your book make it a totally, movie moment. I'm use that
1: next time. <laughs> i'll give you credit for
0: it no, but. no that's quite all right really <laughs> <laughs> all right now There is a theme that seems to, uh, you already touched on one with the social media and the need for rest or the breaks, uh, but you also in your book talk about taking a guilt-free nap. Uh, And for some reason, we're only 44 episodes in, but this is a recurring theme of our show. (laughs) It's probably just strange or it's therapy for me because I like taking naps, but any. who would you speak to the idea of uh, guilt free naps and it doesn't have to be for mothers or preschoolers just <laughs> in general
1: <laughs> yeah so i would say that my addiction my bent in life is pro- productivity and i for a long time felt like i had to prove or earn my worth even with god and so In the last couple of years, um, what I have been working on is recognizing that productivity doesn't earn me extra, extra brownie points. And it doesn't make God love me anymore. And when I'm not productive, it doesn't make me God love me any less. And so I think that so often making an intentional choice to rest in whatever capacity that looks like for us. And I wanna make the distinction between rest and distraction because sometimes I think we confuse those two. So we might be on our phone scrolling for an hour on BuzzFeed or whatever, and we think, oh, I'm just resting out. It's actually not rest. That's distraction. Um, But true rest are things that restore our soul, that make our body feel um, lighter make our body feel stronger, make our body feel more alive, and make us feel more connected to the holiness and goodness that God gives us in life. And so intentionally choosing to rest, I think is a holy practice. I mean, throughout scripture, you find really interesting examples of God telling people to eat, to rest, and to practice Sabbath. So we, in our Western culture, sometimes forget that Sabbath is an integral part of worshiping God and experiencing God. And so taking that that moment to either nap or to eat healthy food or whatever Rest and restoration look like in our life is essential to our spiritual practices.
0: Well, I think, I mean, that you're talking about a sacredness that uh, sometimes we think, don't think about eating and napping and things like that as sacred mm. moments, uh, that there mm-hmm. is that space of encountering God in that. Uh, uh, and again, I think it's uh, uh, interesting you're saying, the you know, mother of preschool CEO and John Eldridge, Mr. Man himself (laughs) are saying the same thing uh, in our culture and our age. We're missing that, uh, that space for God, that uh, allowing God into the ordinary parts of our day. Uh, And and speaking of ordinary parts of our day, uh, sometimes you you say uh, maybe your problem isn't a problem. Uh, maybe it's an opportunity for fun uh, and, I, and as I said before when we started I've uh, I, we' were, we've been trying to set this up for a while and so I, I read this a while ago but it's one of the things that have kind of stuck with me from your book is the idea of looking at opportunities uh, for now I'm not there yet <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> I, I've not mastered this so any, any, help me out if uh, how could I, I Not look at a problem as a problem and look as an opportunity front. Any, you know, like in the moment, I'm not there yet.
1: (laughs) This has been really integral for me to change my perspective on life in general. And um, for a, a long time when I would get delayed at the airport, it was like, oh my gosh, this is ruining everything. My schedule's off. I won't get home in time, you know, whatever the outcomes were. And then I started recognizing, okay, I get to be in control of this situation, and I get to choose how this situation impacts all the experiences of my day, but also my internal um, life and how I manage my own emotions. And so when I get delayed at the airport, uh, it's either an opportunity to dwell on this problem in this situation, or it can be an opportunity to take whoever I'm with and go explore the city or go bowling or do something unexpected in order to redeem the time that I would normally be sitting in the airport. And I think every moment, every opportunity, a, a flat tire, is a great opportunity to change it into something different. And so the tow truck driver who comes to pick you up, can you engage with him in a different way? Can you make a new friend? Can you learn something about his life? Can you go to uh, the auto store where you're getting your tire fixed and, and have an adventure there? Every opportunity that we have that could be a problem could also be this unique, beautiful moment to turn it into something uh, that is memorable and life-changing, not only for you, but for the people around you. And it's such a big skill that we can teach our kids as well to reframe things, to have different potential than we might normally assign to it.
0: No, I, I got to follow-up that you, did you really go bowling when you were at the airport?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have, and it's because the editor from my book after she read it texted me and was like okay I got delayed on my flight so my husband and I went bowling I was like brilliant so the next time I was delayed I was like okay we're gonna Uber to a bowling alley and go bowling (laughs) because
0: that seems a little random to me I don't know I I don't think I've ever sat in an airport thinking you know if I had an extra couple hours I'd go bowling (laughs) Are you are you a bowler by nature? No, I'm terrible. Oh, okay. I
1: would prefer to use the bumpers. <laughs> if I uh, wasn't with other adults, who that would look um, amateur. So
0: yeah. I, no, I, I would like to use the bumpers. Just I think there should be a rule that uh, adults can use the bumpers too. Thank
1: you. I I, I that would you.
0: be my philosophy. But
1: okay. Next time, if we go bowling together, we'll both use the bumpers.
0: <laughs> if if we happen to be in an airport, stuck. somewhere. Yes. <laughs> All right. Now, I love you talk about one audacious ask a week. Uh, Is this something that you still practice? Uh, And can you give an example of what that might look like?
1: So I learned this from my friend, Drea. We've known each other since junior high. And she's the kind of person who, if we go to a concert, she's going to get us backstage. <laughs> if we, it doesn't matter. Like she has no fear in asking for whatever she wants. And she asks for things that are so above and beyond things that would even cross my mind to ask for that. She has these phenomenal experiences because she really, truly We'll just ask and people say yes more often than you would think. And so that became something that I recognized when I was like, I want to level up. I want to have some adventure. I want to do things that other people might not even think about. And so I gave myself a challenge of doing one audacious ask a week. And that ranges from calling someone who I really respect and asking them if we can have a phone conversation, someone like, who you normally never reach out to, or even submitting a manuscript for publishing, like all those types of things. If we just ask, we get yeses way more often than we ever think we would. And so I um, put the challenge out to Mops Moms a few years ago, and I on a weekly basis get emails of women saying, this is my audacious ask for the week. And uh, I just think, It opens our life up and God honors when we start to say, okay, I'm going to ask for some big things because God delights in giving to his children. And this is one tool that we start to open up opportunities in front of ourselves, even if it's asking for a discount at a store or whatever makes us, our palms a little sweaty and makes us feel a little uncomfortable. I think that's a good starting point for an audacious ask.
0: Well, I I asked Mandy to be on my show, and was, it <laughs> happened. So there we go. I, I'm done for the week. No, <laughs> that uh, I do remember hearing someone say so, it was it not about it wasn't even a Christian show, but they were talking about going into the coffee shop and always asking for it, or ask for a discount when you know they're not yeah. going to give you just so yeah. you get that muscle comfortable and asking totally
1: have you ever watched the ted talk uh, i think it's called 100 days of rejection
0: i'm it's not
1: amazing there's a video on youtube called 100 days of rejection as well and it's this guy who was really afraid afraid of rejection and so he gave himself 100 days of really difficult things that he was going to ask for thinking that he was going to be rejected just to kind of build up that muscle. And people started saying yes to the most crazy things that he would ask him for. And he's like, I thought this was an exercise in rejection, but really it was uh, recognizing that there are so many possibilities when you just ask for things, but it's a fascinating TED talk. Uh,
0: And I will put that in the show notes for people to look that up. Uh, I heard someone say something along similar where they said it's really hard to get to 30 no's. because uh, if you keep asking eventually someone's going to say yes so to make the goal to try and get to 30 no's, and you're you're going to get something out of it but, wow that's
1: uh, fascinating
0: but not maybe not backstage passes I don't know uh, that <laughs> that's that's a good one I like to <laughs> i don't have any concert oh i'm gonna go to a toby mack concert let's see if i can see if i can get backstage passes Uh, see what
1: you can do with that all
0: right right. anyways uh your your theme at uh uh, mops uh, and you got the whole cool video on your website to the full i love that uh uh and it's based on the, the verse, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have and enjoy life and have it to abundance, uh, John 10, 10. Now, my first book was Enjoying Prayer. Uh, and I, I was all, it's all about different ways to enjoy God in, in your prayer life. Uh, and so this resonates with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, any habits, traditions, uh, general craziness to help people to enjoy Jesus more?
1: One thing I'm doing recently is I'm doing a chronological study, reading through the Bible, but I'm reading a version that I've never read before. And it's a Messianic Jewish version of the Bible. And I have to tell you, it is completely shifting. How I'm reading things because I don't recognize names, I don't recognize cities, and so it's like I'm reading the Bible through this fresh lens that I've never read before. And honestly, I was telling my husband the other day, I was like, I I feel like I'm reading Scripture for the first time because I just reading a different version, and suddenly the it's opening up to me in a way it never has before. So I think experiencing Jesus to the full is switching up those routines or things that we're supposed to do. And I'm sure you hit on this in your book. I, um, Opening up different opportunities for us to see God in new and different ways. And I think God is always surprising us with how he interacts with us. I led or I worked at a church in San Diego and one of the practices that we did once a year was we would serve cake as communion. And at first, it made people uncomfortable. Like, oh, this feels a little sacrilegious. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've been in African countries where we did communion with Coke and a saltine cracker. You know, it, there, I think God, uh, I think, is spacious in how we practice um, getting to know him. And I think having cake as communion and recognizing that this is such a gift that he gives to us and the sweetness of it and uh, helps refresh that practice in our minds so that we experience it in a different way. And so I think um, when we open our hands to experience God in new ways, he reveals himself to us and refreshes that aspect of us that is longing for him in a different way.
0: And I, yes, I think we, we miss, if we, if we get into ruts, uh, yes. well, hey, what was that? Mark Batterson quote, uh, routine routines can become ruts that uh, uh, hey, yeah. hey, we can miss out on God. Cause we're in that rut and we just think that that's all there is. Uh, yes. that he's, he's so spacious was the word you used. I, lo- I love that. The, the, God's we'll never get to the end of God. Uh, yes. Yes. he's he's so deep and so wide and well, even his love is so deep and so wide uh any uh final thoughts as we're wrapping up uh for people to whether it's enjoying their life more having more fun enjoying god more anything that comes to mind that you'd like to encourage people with as we get near the end here
1: I'll share one quick parable that I just read last week, and it really, I I keep thinking about it over and over again, and uh, it's, Dan Heath has a new book out called Upstream, and in the first chapter, he shares a parable, and this is how it goes, he says, uh, so imagine you're sitting by the side of a stream with a friend having a picnic, and As you're having this picnic, you hear a child shouting from the water, and they're drowning. And so you and the friend jump in, pull the child to the side, get them up on the bank, you get out on the bank, but right as you are about to restart eating your picnic, you hear another child floating down the river, screaming that they're drowning. So you go back in the water, bring the child to the side, but then another child is floating down the side. Rescue them, and at this point you decide you're just gonna stay in the water, because there's so many kids coming down so frequently that you don't have time to get out of the water. And then, as you're rescuing child after child after child, your buddy who's in the water with you gets out and starts walking up the side of the riverbank upstream. And you're like, where are you going? Like, I need your help. And your friend yells back to you, I'm walking up the stream to tackle the guy who's throwing the kids in the water. And I think so often in life, we get caught in this cycle of response, we're putting out fires, we're dealing with emergencies, we're navigating all those immediate things right in front of us that need our immediate attention, but we forget that there are problems we can solve if we go out and deal with the root cause of it. And that really has stuck with me in a lot of ways, My when the tendency to feel um, worn down or exhausted, if I have a tendency to feel disconnected from the people around me, or if I'm constantly putting out fires, or if life feels chaotic at any point, it's given me this new perspective to go and deal with the root of the cause and not just the thing that's in front of me. And I think that has a lot to play into how we start navigating fun, how we live life to the full, how we have shared moments of absurdity with friends we get to the root cause of whatever is causing distress <laughs> and stress and life into the chaos that happens in front of us and that calms down when we start to deal with the problems head-on so
0: that's, that's my that's, hearty that's words. great hey <laughs> that, uh, we and for you that might be you need to go take a nap i don't know what <laughs> <right? laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I do want to uh, leave one more quote from the book and then uh, if there's anywhere you want to send people to uh, obviously you said social media is not your thing so maybe not social media but uh, any other places you'd like to send people or where they can find the book uh, but I've used this quote yeah in my own uh, with my daughter and my wife on uh, m- more than one occasion hey, Ha- have no fear of dancing while no one is watching because no one is watching they're checking their phone. So dance anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so <true. laughs> That's just good. That's just good theology right there. So
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, where, where can people learn more about the book or uh, mops, all that, anything uh, you'd like to share as we wrap up with that? Yeah. The
1: book can be found anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble any of the major retailers and anyone interested in having community and talking about the things that matter most like parenting and faith and all of those big things that are really important to us as women in particular, you can go and check out org.
0: Excellent. Um, uh, and we'll again, put all those in the show notes where so people can find and uh, get involved. And uh, hopefully if uh, people can, uh, pick up the book and learn more about having uh, some more fun. <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time today, Mandy.
1: Thank you so much, Kevin. It's been such a treat.
0: Well, there you have it. I hope that that inspired you to go and have some more fun today. Uh, Whatever it is that you have on your agenda, try to insert some fun into the agenda. Uh, If you're looking for the show notes, you can find that at enjoyingprayer.org and just click on the podcast there and you can find all the show notes, the uh, TED Talks you mentioned, etc. And while you're there, check out the other resources that we have. We're here to be an encouragement to you on your adventure with Jesus. So check it out and find something to help yourself along the journey. Before you leave, why don't you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. We are here to help you on your walk with Jesus. And so it's just gonna be right there into your uh, inbox, essentially, with your podcast player. And so just subscribing will help you with that. Uh, one last thing. Uh, why don't you share this episode with a friend? Uh, that helps us grow uh, the podcast and be an encouragement to more people. But why don't you send it like with a text or something and say, let's do some shared absurdity together. <laughs> so uh, and see where it goes. Yeah, I don't know, we might have some fun with it. So uh, again, uh, thanks for listening today. I hope this has been an encouragement uh, to you, uh, that God would bless you and keep you, and uh, that the joy of the Lord would be your strength today. It would strengthen you uh, as you have some fun. Uh, God bless you, and thanks for listening.